coming to you entirely pre-recorded from the garage of solitude in queens new york i'm mario francisco robles and from my home bat cave office in long island new york i'm brett miro and this is episode i think 169 of the fanboy podcast we are very good at this episode <laughs> i think 169 uh, yes, I, I do believe you are right, and I do believe we have a lot to talk about, but as we always do, let's check in. What have you been uh, playing or watching since we last spoke, Brett? Oh boy, so just real quick for all the listeners, I know we've been a little spotty with the episode and stuff, I just want to give a quick little rundown. So <laughs> in my last month, I got I got married, two days later started a new job, so I've been very caught up and busy with that over the month of October. Then uh, last week, I went when you uh, recorded with Bill um, that week, I went to Mexico, Cancun for my cousin's wedding. So I was there maxing and relaxing. Great time. Then I got back last week and then immediately caught the flu. <laughs> so <laughs> then I was sick all weekend with flu strand A. Uh, no COVID, yeah. but it was it was the actual. You didn't flu. get any Montezuma's revenge down there. Did no, you? no, no, no Montezuma's revenge. Thank God, but uh, yeah, totally. A bunch of uh, my family, my whole family, like went too. So like, we found out that like everyone was dropping like flies when we got back. Everyone got sick with something. <laughs> so one of, one of my aunts got COVID. I don't know. None of us got COVID. Oh wow, she got COVID. Like I think uh, my cousin whose wedding it was, like she and her husband got uh, some sick. They had like a flu-like upper respiratory thing. Jess and I, uh, my wife, uh, got a flu had fl- flu strand A. Um, so Yikes. we were beat up last weekend. I'm still like I'm better. I have a little bit of like a post nasal drip, but I'm like much better. But definitely like not like a hundred percent. Definitely like by the end of the day, like I'm a little fatigued. Like I'm a little fatigued yeah. right now. But I'm gonna I'm gonna power through this. But uh, so that that's just yeah. So I apologize for me being absent stuff like that. Just been it's all good because shortly after you got sick and we and had to back out of last week's recording, then I got sick too. I, I actually somehow you avoided Montezuma's revenge. I somehow got it. I don't know. I didn't even go to Mexico. But Saturday something happened to me, and I've spent the last like five days recovering from it my stomach is still not a yeah there's something going around uh well there's many things going around it's the time of the year right it's It's the the time of the year right as we speak my six month old has a fever upstairs and oh my goodness dealing with that and there's a lot and and i gotta ask most importantly with everything going on how's jesse feeling jesse is feeling very very well she's good all right Um, i don't know if i've officially yeah i I was about to say let's do it on the podcast yet um, yeah. but yeah, I am, I am expecting, uh, um, I'm trying to think Jess like announced it, but I don't think she said the gender, but like no one, none of them, none of them, the the I know the gender. So you I'm, I'm, right. I'm going to DM me. Okay. Um, no, I'm going to say it. Uh, so, uh, yeah. So, uh, well now the cats are the deck. My wife and I are having our first child. Um, the, it's going to be a baby girl. Um, so I'm very, very excited. Yeah. Joining joining yeah. the uh, the girl dad club, so that's happening, yes. and uh, yeah, uh, the baby's due in March, so we still got a little ways to go, but you know, so far so good. Everything. Hang uh, on, don't bury the lead yeah. here, okay? The real story is that it's she. The baby's arriving on March 10th, okay? That's Mario Day. That's right. So that's, that's really yeah, that's the proper yeah. announcement. Here. Baby is you due on Mario Day. <laughs> on Mario Day, and the fact that you and Jesse, you know, orchestrated it all this way—you conceive this baby, <laughs> knowing we need to have a baby that lands on Mario Day. Yeah, and we got to plan this on, out. 
Yeah, I just want you to know I'm very I'm honored that you went through that level of absolutely. Now we wanted to make sure we had to do the right thing by you and by Nintendo. So <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. She, we had to get Shigeru Miyamoto's blessing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, uh all right, yeah. so so you've had a lot going on and you've had some sickness and you've had some ups and some downs, but you're back. Yeah. What are you watching? What, what what are you fired up about this week? What's got your fanboyness just on fire? Yeah, so we'll talk a little bit more about it later together, um, but I've been still watching Andor. I'm all caught up on that. Uh, I think last time we talked, I was a little behind. It was a couple weeks ago. I'm all caught up. I'm loving that show. That's my quick thoughts. We'll talk oh, about later. Um, yes. What else have we been watching? We just watched... Um, oh, I actually... So here, here's a cool recommendation. I haven't done like a film recommendation in a while. So I watched this movie. I actually watched it on the flight home uh, from Cancun, but then uh, I watched it and I said, Jess, this movie's really good. We should watch it together. So we rented it the other night. It's called Vengeance. Um, it's by it's written and directed by BJ Novak uh, from The Office. Oh wow, Ryan, nice. A dark comedy uh, thriller, and uh, yeah, it's on Amazon right now, so you can like rent it for like five bucks or whatever if you're interested. It's like an hour and a half, so it's like a nice runtime. It's interesting. It's very funny. Um, you will actually like it because there's a fun John Mayer cameo <laughs> like in the movie. Hey, Lines. like there's a long scene with them and he's actually really good um but it's, it's very funny he has some good fans really good and novak and yeah. bj novak obviously written a bunch of episodes of the office as well mm -hmm. so you know he's yeah. like a talented guy so yeah very very funny um like you know funny but also serious it, does, it is like kind of serious subject matter but um you know it's like a black comedy or whatever you would call it mm -hmm. so yeah it comes highly recommend i really enjoyed it like i think it actually came out in like july and it made like no money it's like an indie film on like a you know, one of those like indie studios and you know, yeah. that's just how it goes nowadays. If it's not like a big tent pole, but um, yeah, give him, give him some money and rent it. Cause it was actually, it was a good movie. I enjoyed it. Um, well, and hey, since we're just on Amazon, I feel like we should throw in a yeah. quick cheap plug. Cause we have talented friends who make yes, movies. This is good. Including this is good. Vanessa Bonteo, our former co-host over on the Revenger. She was a producer on a film called mouse. And yes. a couple of mine and Brett's friends, you know, college friends, are you know directed and starred in it. You know, it, it's yeah. uh, you know it, it, we have familial tile tiles ties to this yeah. movie Mouse, and it has just made its way to Amazon Prime streaming. So if you want to support independent filmmaking and see some up and coming talent, definitely check out Mouse. V Banana produced it. Our yes. friend Adam directed it. One of my very best friends of the last. 25 years joel is the star of it he is mouse so yes. uh it's pretty special and uh yes mouse is on amazon prime but no i'm sorry yeah, check that out <laughs> no yeah so uh so vengeance and then uh i'll just my my last little piece is um i did pick up god of war ragnarok um oh I nice. should mention, I have been playing, I don't, I don't know if I mentioned it last time, I did pick up and have been playing Mario plus Rabbids Sparks of Hope, which is like the sequel. I think mm. I did talk about this. It's the yeah. sequel to the, the first game. It's like an XCOM you know, game. So I, I played that. I'm like deep into it. But God of War Ragnarok came out last week and I picked that up and that has been all my attention. Like whenever I'm it, not huh? playing it, all I'm thinking yeah. about of doing, doing is playing it. And um, I'm about like, you know... Um, I want to say like anywhere from like 12 to 15 hours in uh, from what I'm hearing. People are saying I've seen, you know, people saying 30 hours. I mean, if you're doing like a lot of side quests, I've stopped and done a lot of side quests. I haven't just been beelining the story. So I don't know exactly how far progression I, wise I am. Um, but uh, I imagine I got to be somewhere in like the middle, maybe. Mm. 
oh, that game. That's one of those games where you like boot it up and you like listen to it and watch it. And, you know, you're just you immediately are like, wow, this is like so many levels above like most media out there. Nevertheless, video <laughs> games but like you yeah. can tell it's on another level. I mean, the visual fidelity on I have it on PS5. I mean, it is like incredible it's one of the best looking games i've ever seen the art direction is beautiful um you know all of the main characters or, or important characters are voice acted and motion captured by their voice actor so mm-hmm. there's the performances are incredibly realistic looking um natural the writing is so good and i thought the writing was amazing in the first game but the right writing in this has taken like like another evolution like to the next level mm. for sure it's, yeah. it's very funny like many times i catch myself like playing and i'm like oh. <laughs> like i have like a nice little chuckle come out or like genuine like hearty laughter like it's actually a very very funny game even though there's moments dealing with some more serious subject matter and um you know if you played the first game god of war 2018 it's it's really more of that but they just improved on everything uh like you know to the nth degree it's just it's just hmm. everything's bigger more um this is also going to wrap up this norse storyline so i'm very curious to see how this ends and like where it leaves hmm. off um especially if you played the first games there's some interesting prophecies that they uncover towards the end of that game and that you know are clearly as i'm playing i see they're going to have a big impact on on how the story fares in this game but yeah the, the game's tremendous soundtrack's amazing uh bear mccreary did the did the music um who's uh oh, he's you'll know him yeah he did the walking dead theme song yeah uh mm-hmm. he's done a bunch of other stuff he's definitely done some movies at this point too i'm trying mm-hmm. to think of what else yeah. but he did the first god of war soundtrack he's doing this one it's, it's amazing like it's fully orchestrated it's epic it's got chorus um he's also i think like a, like a dwarf character in it too bear mccreary actually yeah. like voices the characters like playing a little weird instrument um so yeah so i i mean i cannot recommend it enough i mean it's, it's a blockbuster game it, it is like you wonder like how do other games even like you look at this you're like how do other games even come out like the quality <laughs> is on a, it's on another fucking level like it really it's is. like you picture teams working on all these other different games at various yeah. stages of development they see that and they're like what are we doing I yeah like it, it really done. is what's the you point know, <laughs> yeah Say what you want about like the Sony format because like Sony, like their focus is making these like big cinematic story driven like narrative games. And some people are mm-hmm. like, okay, yeah, I'm over that or whatever. Oh, like, oh, they just put a lot of money into it. But no, nah, like you, you like when you look at Naughty Dog games and you look at, you know, from, uh, you know, this game's from Sony Santa Monica Studios, you look at these productions and you go like, no, nah, they, they're on to something. Like it, it is like you're watching like, you know, the, uh, the the creme de la creme it's like the martin scorsese you know of video games like when you see these things uh, it's james cameron's avatar you know what i mean it's like (laughs) pushing the technology so um whatever i can i can gush about it all day uh the combat is still so good that's like the best thing about this game is like the combat is so refreshing it's so good you have like two different weapons and you can switch between them on the fly like tying combos together and it's just very, very, very cool and satisfying. It like never gets old. <laughs> so um, wow. I'm enjoying right. it. Pick up God of War Ragnarok. Uh, you know, if you haven't played the first game, I would say go play the first game. It's like I think discounted now and cheap. And to like, be clear, the reboot, the first, yeah, the, the, the reboot, first, God the of reboot War 2018, not game, God yeah. of War from like 2003. Um, yeah, <laughs> but the God of War 2018. I would say, like, listen, do you have to play the first game? No, they do give you a brief little recap that you can watch that kind of catches you up. But I would say you would you would want to play the first game. And they're it's they're pretty much this is like part two. So uh, it, it really it literally picks up like almost right after a couple of years later, but almost right after. 
So anyway, that's enough of me gushing about God of War. Uh, sorry if I, <laughs> I went on too long, but I'm I'm very pumped about this game. Like I want to wrap this podcast up so I can go play a little before I go to bed. Wow. All right, then let's get into the rest of our topics then. All right. All right. I don't I don't want to stand between you and your God of War, Brett. That's right. Uh, But listen, on my end, it's funny. Most of my check in here is entirely like Star Wars. But I'm going to but first, before I get to the two Star Wars things I've been up to, uh, the main stuff I've been watching of late other than Andor are these wrestling based documentaries on Vice TV. I don't know if you've heard about Dark Side of the Ring. But uh, yeah, even though there isn't a new season currently out, I've been going back and and I usually cherry pick episodes. Now I'm actually looking at all of them because it's a really well-made documentary series. And if you're into professional wrestling and hearing some of the crazy stories about some of the outsized characters and controversies that have happened along the way, Dark Side of the Ring has got you covered. But then also, you know, uh, The Rock has a... He's producing this show called Tales from the Territories, which I believe I mentioned on a previous episode, too. That's just I just saw the most recent episode a couple hours ago, and that hits every, I think, Wednesday night. There's a new one. And Tales from the Territories is another like goldmine if you're a professional wrestling fan. So I've been doing a lot of deep dives on geeky old wrestling stuff like that. In terms of gaming, though, look, I'm always a little bit behind. Yeah. But I finally started Star Wars uh, Jedi Fallen Order, oh, right, which I think good. came out like two years ago now, probably. Yeah. But finally started it, and I'm loving the hell out of it. I'm I'm really getting invested in the story of Cal Kestis. I'm really kind of digging this, especially playing Andor. Some of what goes like it, it almost feels at times like th- there's connections here. Like I'm in a similar yeah. world to andor um and uh, in a way it it feels cool to be like watching that series but also controlling a character in this world and you know um so i can't i kind of can't wait to dive deeper into that i and i did notice some of what you said about potential connections between that game and obi-wan because of the whole like second sister thing and all that right so i'm very kind of intrigued now if we do get to see cameron monaghan play cal kestis in live action form in in some star wars something you know that would be cool although i i think they're still kind of like out on a they're not sure about a season two of obi-wan right i think all we've seen is that like uh the actors have said that they would be down to return but i don't think they've announced anything so yeah who knows if they're you know yeah and we've discussed like we don't know i'm like i'm not sure what that story is now because like I don't know. It, it, yeah. I just feel like it can't have the stakes that the first season had. So yeah. Whatever. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, yeah, we don't know but, if they're doing uh, that, but um, that would be a good place for him to show up. I was really expecting him to show up or something in Obi-Wan, but obviously we didn't get that. And yeah, I don't know. Maybe if they, I know they're doing a season two of Andor, uh, mm. the timing could work out there. It could. To get yeah. Cal he's Kestis around in, in season two yeah. of Andor, but I think they might've shot it already though. So that's the only thing I don't know. And we haven't heard any rumors or anything. Oh. I think they shot season oh, two already. Like they shot them together or something. I remember reading something about okay. that. Yeah. yeah. Well, look, I actually want to dive into Andor now. And I think we can we can do this yeah, now do because I didn't see episode 11. So my stuff can't spoil what happened this week. I'm as I'm as up to date as episode 10 last week. So I feel like we can talk yeah. about the show and no one can accuse us of spoiling something that just came out. Right. So Andor 
is just it's so awesome it's so well written so well directed so well acted the plotting of it the way it really is showing the the inner workings and machinations of the empire the way yeah. it's showing the way the rebellion came to be like i find myself so engaged and so like invested in this story and in these characters and I love it because, you know, and I brought this up before, but like we really are kind of seeing a corner of the Star Wars galaxy that we haven't really seen before. This is all humans. There's no mysticism. There's yeah, no, no space Jedi. wizards, no laser swords. Yeah. This is literally a story of like human survival and standing up against oppression and how oppressed people come together. And I just, you know, it's such a different type of story to see in the star wars space it's one of the most relatable stories in star wars absolutely absolutely you can correlate so much of what's going on in that show to things that have happened or are actively happening yes sir now around the world so i love that about the show it is topical it is timely it is relevant it feels sort of important in a way and even seeing the other side of things yeah the empire thing really fascinates me because yeah. the, the those like stiff upper lipped british moff tarkin type characters that lucas populated the original empire with in the original you know uh trilogy like seeing how the office environment was and seeing what kind of people you know the empire employed and what that culture was like back there like you kind of it all makes sense like of course tarkin comes from this world these people are all like you know they're they're uptight they're breathing down everyone's throats they they want to crush any ounce of 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 rebellion but they're also kind of like cold and merciless tacticians about it too there's something sort of like hauntingly detached about the way so they have like a they're they're grip around everyone's throats but internally like within you know what i mean like within each other there's this whole system of like fear and deception and like yes you know even some of them look like they're just spinning plates just to spin plates like uh, don't let the higher ups see what we're doing just like get through the day like it's very Mm -hmm. interesting like there's all these different yeah like uh people that are like these like hungry crazy go-getters that are they want to like work in the system and just rise up and and get all the power other people that are Mm -hmm. just kind of trying to get by kind of stay afloat Mm -hmm. and then there's the other ones that are just yeah like trying to stir shit like there's like all these different you know yeah and the ones who are like yeah and the ones who are rebelling who are the ones who are secretly helping the rebellion happen yeah i mean who knew that this show was going to low-key be a mon mothma origin story you know what i mean i didn't see that coming you know, wow. and you know the thing about that Mon Mothma actress, um, that she was in Rogue One, and yes, it was a very cool thing because George Lucas had cast her in the prequel trilogy as Mon Mothma, but I think something happened where either her scene got cut or something or other. So when they brought her back for Rogue One, it was pretty amazing. And she happens to look a lot like the original Mon Mothma that they showed in episode four. Like they found an actress that looks like her for the prequels. And that actress has now been playing Mon Mothma for, you know, like a very, very long time. Right. Um, So it's kind of cool to now see her like really get to dive into. She's awesome. Being just like, yeah, she's great. Um. I mean, everyone. Yeah, the 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 Scarsguard guy is phenomenal. Diego, yeah, Stellan, just yeah, uh, 
I'm going to be upset when this is over because listen, we know his fate. We know what's happening with Cassie and Andor, right? right. We've seen Rogue One. So it is kind of like heart wrenching to get so invested in this character and know where this is going. But, um, but there were a couple of things that I, I, I kind of want to circle back. I, I, I pointed this out before, but to me, it's very, very apparent that that opening image of Andor, the way that logo comes together, yeah. like they really want you to see that because yeah. when that little Star Wars thing comes up and it has like the skip intro, like it doesn't skip that part. Right. always play and there is no skip option for that and that's it's right and it takes like 10 seconds it's actually probably longer than this the flashing of the star wars faces that they have right. we've <laughs> talked about this like it lasts six seconds who's skipping that but then the other thing that actually lasts like 10 or 15 seconds they don't and i feel like that image is very very important for the storytellers here for whatever reason the showrunner really wants you to have this image of like what looks like hope at first it's the moon it's the little golden arch in the distance that at first looks like on it, you know, it, it it's that bit of hope on the horizon and it gets closer and closer and little by little out of the stars each of those letters comes out but then you notice that like the arch fills in becomes a moon and that becomes the rebellion yeah. and that to me like the whole thing like that imagery is is kind of conveying like this isn't just a show about andor we're calling it andor but this is about the birth of the rebellion so star yeah. wars fans if case you've ever wanted to see how the good guys were able to get together and do what they did in episode four this is the story of that where they got the funding where they got the power where they got you know what kind of back channels they open like right. you know th this is a show about the rebellion it may be called andor but this is like just the ultimate backstory for how everyone got together and go up against the empire and specifically now going to this plot line that just wrapped up in, in episode 10, which, you know, with Andy circus turning in unbelievable performance each right. episode he's so far, <laughs> but this prison episode, this prison sequence that's gone on, something struck me in episode 10 when they were escaping. Okay. As all of these prisoners are coming together to overtake the prison and overtake the guards and, 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 and come out at full force. My mind started kind of going to like this place of like, this is how freedom fighters are born. This is how freedom fighters in real life are born. You know, people who are oppressed, people who've been in prison, people who've been, you know, held down at their throats by some dict dictatorial power when they fight for their freedom, like, you know, that's how freedom fighters, that's how bands of you know, rebellions, armies come together. And when you look at that, what color is their prison uniform? The colors are white and orange. Yeah. What are the colors of the rebellion? White yeah. and orange. That's when good. I saw that's good. I, I, I started realizing, I started picturing, these are the guys who enlist in the army. These are the guys who were flying the X-Wings in episode four. These are, you know what I mean? Like suddenly I, 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 I got this visual, like I, I made this connection where I'm like, we're watching the birth of the rebellions, like fighting force. When, we, when, I, when we, you saw these guys break out, I don't know, something about seeing them all coalesce, united against the common enemy in the white and the orange. 
like we are watching the birth of the rebellions fighting force yeah. here. And how amazing is that? Very um, cool. So yeah, did, before so what do you have any and or things you want to share before I switch us into the Superman on film update for the week? Well, yeah, I mean, just like a couple of highlights. Obviously, like the what it was like, probably like episode like four or five, right before the whole prison sequence, like that whole heist was it, oh yeah incredible An Aldani, episode yeah. Six. amazing episode like some yep. really cool stuff like i was like this is what i want to see in star wars so that was awesome and then yeah the, the prison sequence i mean like really getting to see you know how shitty the empire was to people and what they were doing to people i mean this is probably like our best look ever like you know in in the series and like i thought like some of the concepts like the idea for the prison where they all had to be barefoot and there's like that metal floor that they have throughout Oof. and they just yeah. kind of like buzz you and like they just zap the shit out of you basically like that was crazy like i wasn't expecting that i was like when they first did it like when like when um cassian gets on there you know gets to the prison and they kind of like give him a taste so don't do this yeah. you don't don't do anything. oh yeah that was this. brutal when that yeah. happened, like I was like, that was like kind of disturbing. Like I was like, that looks really <laughs> fucked up. Like it was like, so like they did a great job with that. Yeah, and you, you said Andy Circus. Um, I just love seeing him in things all the time now, and he was amazing. Yeah. And just the by the way, that, talk everything about, about that sequence like a, was so yeah, well thought out. But talk about getting say, like yeah. a Star Wars redemption too, because remember he was the voice and I believe the physical capture for yep. Snoke. And then, yeah, mixed uh, up for <laughs> and then Ryan Johnson's like, I'm going to kill this very compelling seeming villain in the <laughs> second movie. And somehow you and Vanessa are fine with that. And I'm still mad at both of you. But anyway, um, listen, you're a defender for that movie. And we're going to have to. I'm a last shot at Defender. It is, it is what it but is. listen, but Andy Serkis was brilliant as a voice or whatever he provided for Snoke. And then it was cut short. So now he gets to come back in the flesh. And give us one of the most fully realized performances on TV all year. So, um, yeah, that's an yeah. awesome redemption for Circus. Keep going. But, yeah, I was saying, like, it just it seems so well thought out, like, how the prison operates. Like, I really liked, like, all the ideas they injected into it. And it's also interesting, too, is, like, you know, and I've noticed this, I think, I'm pretty sure it was, like, an Obi-Wan and a couple of the projects at this point that have been set in like the, you know, before the, you know, original trilogy, um, this idea that, um, the empire like doesn't, they're always just like, how do you, how are you going to get past the empire? Just act like you belong, like pretend like you need yeah. to be there. And like, and the cockiness and arrogance of the empire where they're like, you know, when they're in the prison figuring out there's no more than 12 guards on every floor, they know they're understaffed. That's why they have yeah. this stupid like machine to butt zap everybody. Like they're arrogant. They just think that they can they can just do whatever they want. And like we've seen that theme and and lines akin to that come up in multiple projects at this point. It's really cool. It's been really yeah. like fleshing out because it, it it's interesting. Like because when you when you become that big, like the empire, when you become something that big, whether you're like a huge corporation or anything, right? And even in our, in, in our real world, like you, yeah, the cracks start to show. And I really mm -hmm. like that they're showing that, like where the the holes are and stuff. It, it, it's 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 really it's really well done. Like that's that's great world building, and it actually enhances yeah. your your your. I guess enhances again, like my thought of the empire, because you know it's also easy. There's always the joke, right? Like when you look at the empire, like okay, they have horrible aim. Like how come these guns have oh, no yeah, aim and they can't shoot? <laughs> yeah. You know how come they always have all these big 
uh, gaping um, 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 weaknesses like in the texts are like, oh, well, both, both two, we're pretty good, except for those two proton champions going down that hole. We're fucked. The whole thing's going to explode. Like, they have these glaring, like, holes. Well, you know, Rogue up. One fixed that one, though. Remember, Rogue and they did, One yeah. actually explained, like, that was there on purpose. Right. Because Matt Mickelson's character was like, he was he was an indentured servant building the Death right. Star. Right. So he made and he a, built that yeah. weakness. Yeah. Anyway, I know. But also, like, you know, obviously, like, the Empire, like, didn't see that or overlooked it because of, like, their hubris yeah. and, like, they're just so... Yeah. And I, I like that they, they've they really leaned into that in some of these prequel things. And, and they, like, you know, we talk about, right, like, sometimes, like, there's, like, you know, right, the argument, like, we didn't need Solo. No one was asking for it. I don't know if it enhanced yeah. the characters or the lore. But some of this stuff is, like, actually enriching the things that came oh, before sure. it, you know, or the original things. And that's that's what stuff like this needs to do. And yeah. so far, I think they've been doing a great job with uh, the majority of that. I mean, with the exception, honestly, at this point, the the real weak one for me is is Boba Fett. Um, you know, but mm -hmm. I think the Mandalorian, Andor, and Obi Wan have all added you know stuff into the lore that's really enriched these characters and this history. Um, Boba yeah. Fett, I think, kind of was like maybe <laughs> maybe didn't have that that much success with that, but you know, hey, yeah. And look, I'm thinking. Um... It's interesting that the Empire seems so fully realized in this and they are a very potent, you know, force and presence on this show. And yet the two main symbols for the Empire at this time are never shown and not even spoken of. You know, we don't hear about Emperor Palpatine. We don't hear about Darth Vader. Meanwhile, they're out right. there. They're arguably yeah. at the height of their powers. You know, they, remember, it, it, this is the Darth Vader who, at the end of Rogue One, is just gonna merc eighteen guys by himself. Right. You know, like Darth Vader is out there, and you, you know, I, I, I'm proud of the show for its discipline and its its decidedly non nostalgic approach to all this because, right. like, they could have thrown in stuff like that. You know, just, you know, to kind of lure in other Star Wars fans who were, you know, there's got to be some kind of Vader or lightsaber or Jedi sort of action. And it's like, no, they, they're giving us an empire. They don't even have to mention Palpatine or Vader. They've written a compelling story and giving us given us empire characters that we can, you know, hate and understand a little and, you know, experience that whole empire world without having to go to the well of let's have a scene with emperor palpatine the right. hologram speaking to somebody like no they, they're not doing that and i have a feeling that like we're going to go this entire season without any kind of big original trilogy cameo which i think is pretty damn badass yeah. and bold of them and let's keep it that way so yeah so andor is great and uh, next week, I believe, is the final episode. Yeah, I believe it's finale. twelve episodes. So, yep. so I'll, we should. I'll make sure to see that one. So next week we can discuss the finale of season one. Yeah. But now, yep. let's get into the Superman on film update for November the eighteenth, twenty twenty-two. So, by the way, how cool is it that you know? For the whole last several months, whenever I would try to offer this update, you know, there were a lot of times where it was a big old goose egg or the joke yeah. was like, 
There's nothing. There's been no news in a year. Okay. We're just, you know, reading tea leaves. Well, nowadays that is not a problem anymore. Now we're eating. There's always a little something we eating good. So first things first, you know, um, we were talking about things we would love to see in a Superman sequel or, you know, places we hope they go and all that kind of stuff. And a recent, you know, a lot of it, one of the big questions is about the supporting cast, you know, is, are they going to bring back everybody? Are they going to bring back Lawrence Fishburne? Are they going to bring back Amy Adams? Are they going to bring back Russell Crowe? You know, and uh, this week we got some comments from Amy Adams that, you know, she, well, I'm going to tell you what she said because uh, somebody, you know, brought up to her on a red carpet premiere for something that Henry Cavill is officially back as Superman and asked how she felt about that. And uh, first of all, she was, you know, over the moon excited for him. But where things got interesting was, you know, they asked, would you want to come back too? silly question? But, you know, they asked and she said, they haven't spoken to me about it. If it's me. Great. If it's somebody else, the role of Lois has been filled by so many wonderful actresses in the past. So I'll support whatever direction they go. So I think it's an interesting answer, though, because it's so diplomatic. It's so diplomatic that it's like the fact that she would be kind of fine walking away from it, I think kind of says something. You know, because I compare that to Henry. Henry, over the last several years, is like, no, I'm still Superman. The cape is still in the closet. There's still a lot of great stories to tell. You know, this is my role. You know, this is still my character. You know, like, he never gave up. He never said, well, you know, uh, I'm good passing it on. <laughs> Superman's been played by many men. And, you know, it is what it is. You know, so it's just interesting that, like, her first initial reaction is to be like, I'd like to be back, but hey, if they don't bring me, it's cool. Right. You know, well, so. I think part of that, right, is I think like Henry Cavill in a way, I mean, I still think he kind of, you know, some people will be like sacrilege, but he still kind of needs to prove himself. I think as a, as a bona fide star, I mean, listen, he's been in big franchises. No, you're right. You're right. He's listen, in a lot of his other appearances. Like he's been a little wooden. I wouldn't, you know, I think he's been serviceable. He's been fine. Like he's good in the Witcher. He's, he's good as Superman. Um, You know, I, I don't think it's all his fault. I think the right, he, some of those projects that had they had better writing i think he would also like you know rise to the occasion with that too but you know amy adams is like an academy award-winning actress she's got plenty of projects she's always working so i could say and and listen man of steel she was very involved in her in the plot you know that character but in batman vs superman and justice league she was like just a fucking you know like a, a MacGuffin, like plot device like just waste of screen time for for how talented she is and like what a presence yeah. she can be on screen they wasted her so i kind of feel like her she's like she's probably just thinking like listen she's not paying attention to all this behind the scenes bullshit probably she's busy doing other projects so she's probably thinking well if it's gonna be more of the shit i just did then whatever i'm fine walking away if they're gonna give me something to chew on she's like yeah i'll fucking party yeah <laughs> because remember too like not only did she have you know she had very little to do in bvs you know of any real like emotional heft yeah or a real character arc and she had very little to do in Zack snyder's justice league and then she was brought back for those Joss Whedon reshoots with which I don't know her stuff I thought was pretty weak. So yeah. like she hasn't exactly had a good run in terms of like for her as an actress. She right. probably hasn't felt like she's savored being Lois 
in like 10 years because they filmed Man of Steel in 2012. You know, so that was like the last time she felt like I'm playing this really three dimensional, layered, fleshed out, modern Lois. Right. You know, she's kind of been relegated to the background ever since Man of Steel. So, yeah, I, I guess I could kind of understand why she's not exactly like chomping at the bit to yeah. uh, to, to to come back. But hey, look, she's open to coming back if they find a way to bring her back. I'm down with it. But as yeah. I mentioned in the past, I'm also kind of cool with the recast. I just kind of am. Yeah. I sometimes have felt like their chemistry wasn't necessarily there. And, uh, and but I Mario, like they climbed difference... into a bathtub together. Come on, man. Oh, Zack yeah. Snyder knows yeah. everything about romance and love because they hopped into a bathtub together and the water splashed everywhere. He knows so much about love, guys. No one knows more about love than Zack Snyder. <laughs> well, that should go on a shirt. No one knows more That's than love. Every motherfucker on Twitter. What do you mean they don't, they don't know about relationships? They're in a bathtub. I'm like, yeah, man. That's how I know that you've never been with a woman. <laughs> Yeah, how many times have you gotten into a bathtub full? If I did that, that water splash everywhere, my wife would murder me. Are you kidding? (laughs) She'd be like, "Who's cleaning Doomsday? Who's cleaning?" Yeah, it wouldn't be Doomsday that got him. It would have been Lois. Yeah, yeah. So Uh, well, anyway, (laughs) yeah. But now moving on from the Lois bit, there was an interesting rumor that I shared over on the Twitter. Some people gave me some flack for it because the the source is apparently quite checkered. It's a, it's a website called Giant Freaking Robot, and uh, it sounds like there's another one of these. <laughs> yeah, you know, kind of one of these like Cosmic Book News yeah. or CBR or, uh, you know, Fortress of Solitude or some of these other ones that just like have these scoops that are like, where did you come up with this? This is You're yeah. throwing stuff at a wall and hoping for the best. But there was a reason I shared it. You know, I... The main thing was this. So so the rumor was that this Man of Steel sequel that we've been hearing about, that Henry Cavill may be closer to filming than we think, which that's another thing I want to bring up here as part of the update. But there have been interesting murmurs that we are perhaps not as far off from this film going before cameras as we thought. And that that is perhaps why Henry Cavill had to drop out of The Witcher kind of abruptly. Shortly after announcing that, you know, he's back as Superman, suddenly he just flat out ditched the Witcher. And it looks like he needs his 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 schedule to be opened up right away and for a while. And there have been some other things kind of hinted at in The Hollywood Reporter and and, in other sources that kind of like leads some of us devout fans feeling like, hmm. The drought may be like ending really, really soon. But beyond that, um, the rumor centered on the fact that this sequel uh, may be more of a soft reboot than a direct sequel in that it's not necessarily going to pick up from the ending of Man of Steel as we know it. You know, the ending of Man of Steel as we know it is he snaps Zod's neck. And then he gets the job at the Daily Planet, and that's how that ended, right? So in theory, we would have continued from there, and you would have had a Superman trying to figure out how he felt about all that. But this Superman ain't going to be doing that, because according to the rumor, uh, he didn't kill Zod anymore. 
Yeah, they're doing like a full sort of retcon of that. And in that way, the film is being looked at as a sort of soft reboot of the character, kind of like repositioning him and changing his origin up. Now, the reason I shared this, though, is because while I think giant freaking robot is just taking a stab in the dark because, you know, it, we are early in this process and I doubt any early script details have leaked or anything. Um I do think fans are going to have to wrap their head around this. They're going to have to accept that the Zod thing probably is getting retconned and rewritten. And we've talked about this on this show that in the Flash movie is where it's going to happen. It's not going to yeah. happen in the Superman movie. In yeah, the I feel Flash like this rumor movie, was from like way back when we first started hearing about the Flash movie. I feel like there were rumors yeah. about this even like years ago when exactly. they were talking about what that, the how that was going to reboot the universe. Yeah, so. Yeah, and, and meanwhile, and that was just going to happen on its own mainly to set up a Supergirl movie. Yeah, this was before there was a Superman movie on the on-ramp, you know? But now that there is a Superman movie on the on-ramp, I imagine it's even more important for them to kind of tweak Man of Steel in a way that brings Henry back in the most positive light possible. So, so yeah, so I don't think it's happening in the movie. I don't think the movie itself is going to address any of that. But I think the events of Flashpoint, or The Flash, which are bringing back Michael Shannon as Zod, which is bringing back uh, Ancha, whatever her name is, as Feora. Um, that movie is going to present us with a Superman from an Earth where Zod was sent back to the Phantom Zone instead of killed. And that's going to be the Superman we stay with. So the reason I shared that rumor is I do think that that is the direction we're going in. I don't think they're right that it's happening in the movie, but I think it's happening in the flash. And I think everyone in our little geek, you know, in our, in our geekdom and our fandom, especially the, the, the hardcore DC fans and the people who are more in the Snyder camp of things, you know, you're going to have to start making mental peace with the fact that, the, the end of Man of Steel is probably getting completely like deleted and re, you know, reshaped the way that story has ended. And uh, I don't I want to ask you, like, what do you think of them doing that, though? Do you do you think it's a smart move to be like this pivotal character building moment for Man of Steel? The big emotional climax where he breaks his neck and cries and screams and, you know, something happens in him. That didn't happen anymore. How do you feel about the decision to be like, forget that? Yeah. I mean, because that decision does lead him on like a very different path of development. It really it really does. I mean, I think I think that, you know, like we've discussed, like, I think probably maybe back on like the Revengers, like the impact of that. Like, like, so first of all, he killed someone. He took a life, which is like, that's got to you got to wreck. He's got to reckon with that. That sucks. Number two, he basically killed like, like, oh, you know, for all intents and purposes, family. Like he killed like what, like yeah. the last other like remaining like person of his kind. You know what I mean? Yeah. Which like you have to live with that. That like I just exterminated my species, and I'm amongst now all these other people that might not accept me. Um, that puts him. It does. I mean, it's not like you can't come out of that hopeful and like learn from that and and whatever. But like. I don't know. I, I think maybe it is just to 
set up who this Superman is, maybe it is better to just like have him not kill him and just like I think it does at least set you off on an easier path to get to that hopeful, you know, friendly Superman guy that we all yeah. want versus like this like well, soul searching Superman, which but at the same time, like, listen, I do find that interesting. I think a Superman reckoning with maybe something that he's done is good. But like, you know, then, then we just like we had all the movies after from the Snyder and it's just like now there's that whole convoluted thing. So. And- yeah, and that's why that's why I actually think it's the right thing to do, and not because I had a problem with the Zod death, yeah. not because I have an issue with <clears throat> Snyder or the Snyderverse. In my mind, if you're not going to continue down that plot line, if you're not going to continue down that arc, then there's then you don't want to do that Zod death anymore. You know what I mean? Because that that was all going to be part of this arc where he killed Zod and and he kind of has to you know do some soul searching about that and it helps kind of make him figure out the kind of hero he wants to be and then the Earth is all conflicted about him and then he sacrifices himself to save Earth and that brings us to Zack Snyder's Justice League where he has the triumphant turn like that you know the death of zod fed that particular arc of a story and and that arc never even could get finished because you know snyder isn't doing justice leagues two and three and that sort of stuff so it's like the zod thing is step one in a story we're never going to see to fruition so if you're not going to go in that direction and if you want to take henry superman in a whole new direction then it doesn't make sense to have that thing happen anymore because again you're not going to pay it off anymore we're not going to go through the full you know retribution and redemption of superman arc on the big screen that's just you know the creative plans have now changed right so if you're gonna if you if you are changing the plan then getting rid of the first step in that plan him killing zod uh, it makes a lot of sense, you know? Um, so, yeah, so that is the big uh, Superman rumor that came out since we last spoke, this idea of the Zod retcon, and we all kind of have to uh, mentally prepare for that. And I personally am great with it. Yeah. Um, but now I'm going to kind of shift us more into just now DC on film, because there's been a lot going on with DC on film. And uh, let's start with Gunn, you know, James Gunn and Peter Safran, right? Because it's interesting. We heard a few months back about a 10-year plan that David Zaslav had mentioned. And at the time, James Gunn and Peter Safran were not involved, you know, in a formal way with DC Studios. There wasn't even a DC Studios yet. In fact, this was before Dan Lin even supposedly was coming in to get the job. This was just Warner Brothers Discovery letting it be known that what they intend to do is to get a team of people together to create a 10-year coherent plan for DC, right? We heard that. Then, when James Gunn and Peter Safran eventually got the jobs, we found out in the reporting that they had been the ones in his ears kind of giving him ideas for how to run DC. And that, you know, they were the ones giving him suggestions for people who could run it, how it should go, and this, this, and that, which led to him just being like, why don't the two of you just (laughs) do it, you know? And what's interesting is, it looks like, you know, that the chronology does sort of, you know, follow through here because 
now in their recent interviews, they're going around talking about building an eight to 10 year plan for DC. So you can tell like they were the ones in Zaslav's right. <laughs> saying, this is what you want to do. And now they get to do it. So I want to talk a little, there've been some interesting quotes I want to read and um, let's get into it. So sure. uh, what's interesting, well, I'm going to read the quote and then we'll get into it. So um, this is Jane, this is Peter Safran speaking here. He said, this was such a unique opportunity to tell one great overarching story, one Beautiful, big story across film, television, gaming, live action, and animation. Gunn added that they've already begun working on what will be an 8-10 to 10 year plan. He said, the opportunity to make DC as great as it can be and as it should be, that is the reason why I'm doing this job. Because I know what Peter and I know that Peter and I can do that. We spent the past couple days with a group of some of the best thinkers in the industry, the best writers in the industry, starting to map out that eight to 10 year plan of what it's going to look like in theater, in TV, in animation, across the board for these characters. Um. So let, let and and they've also mentioned this phrase. Gunn has mentioned this phrase that always kind of tickles my ear. This idea of just telling, you know, the biggest story ever told. Yeah. So <laughs> I so let, let let's kind of just unpack that a little bit. You know, uh, how exciting is it to hear that Gunn and Saffron are meeting with writers and putting together a ten-year plan that's going to go across all the mediums i remember that's not something marvel even attempted at first they eventually right. got other mediums but they focus on the movies it sounds like dc studios right out of the gate wants to tell a story that's going to be told across all kinds of media so you know how, how does that strike you there Brady? right so um, the immediate thing is it does it does make me a little nervous just because okay you're coming out of the gate you're going we have an eight to ten year plan it's yeah. the biggest story ever told, <laughs> and we're going to do it across movies, TVs, games, and animation. So right away, I go, Jesus, guys, like, we just got you in the seat. <laughs> like, let's fucking, like, ramp the ride up a little bit. You know what I mean? Like, why are we immediately going to 88 miles per hour, you know, and the lightning bolt? <laughs> like, so I'm like, so I'm a little nervous, but at the same time, if anyone's going to do that and deliver on that promise, I think it's James Gunn and Peter Safran. So I'm like comforted by that, but you know, it, it's hard. It's hard not to like look back and, and remember all these, remember all the crazy, the, we're announcing this movie and this project and this project, and this project and all of them just imploded and went by the wayside. And there's just like this big talk out of the gate. And I get, they want to get people excited. I get that. Um, I get, I get that. I guess they're trying to instill some confidence, but it just, I get scared at like, Oh my God, it's so much at once. Like, let's just get like the first few years planned out. But, um, you know, if, if I get away from that, away from like the worry wart side of me, um, I think that it's, it's, listen, it's incredibly ambitious 
And if they can pull it off, I'm incredibly excited. This this is really cool. Like if they can, if they can, yeah, somehow like tie gaming into it as well. And uh, you know, it's interesting because yeah. there's a couple of projects already in the works. I don't know at this point how they would tie in. It would have to be future projects. Like we're still waiting on a uh, you know uh, Suicide Squad kill the Justice League, which got delayed. I think again. Actually, no, I'm sorry. It did not get delayed again. It's coming out next year. But the heads of the studio, I don't know if you knew this, Mario. The heads of the two heads they of Rock said he just left. Yeah, I did. Makes read me a little headline. concerned. I'm like, you know, yeah, the game's not out yet. You leave it's, right it's, before your next AAA title. You leave been very silent. The end stage development of it. Yeah, and now the leads have left uh, of the studio. Yeah. So I don't know if that was like maybe there's like we'll find out there was like a culture thing and it was kind of like maybe you guys should take a hike before like allegations come out because <laughs> I I heard there were rumors maybe at the studio with some shady shit maybe you know whatever like the stuff we've been hearing in the games industry unfortunately like bad work environments um but yeah so, so i'm a little nervous about that but like yeah i don't know at this point how you tie that in because that's also tied into the arkham universe which is totally separate yeah. um so i don't know we'll see uh but yeah no this is this is incredibly this is incredibly exciting um and nerve-wracking yeah. but but exciting i think yeah. overall <laughs> that there is yeah. a plan right <laughs> that there is a plan at all now is is cool you know yeah look on my end i'm loving the ambition of it I'm loving this idea of approaching it like one story, like like Gun has it. You know, it sounds like they they're trying to formulate this, like it really is. You know, one massive story that involves all these characters. Which is, you know, if you think about it, you know, that is what Marvel was able to achieve in ten years, right? We went from yeah. Iron Man to Endgame in ten years, and what a crazy arc that was over time, right? Yeah. But again, it was primarily just in that one medium, you know. But I like the idea of the one, you know, the focus of telling, you know, one great big story. But at the same time, hearing all the different mediums, it calls to mind to me that like they're going to have to walk a very fine line here because they have to be able to have all these different, you know, games and animation and TV series and movies. They're going to have to structure these things so that you could enjoy them as standalone experiences and not feel like you have to have watched every single other thing that's going on related to this story. Because then I think the cost of entry for casual fans is going to get uh, a little too high. If people feel like oh, this is all related and I didn't see those other two movies or I didn't see this TV series or I didn't know that this animated thing, you know, like if you're going to do this, you got to make sure that each individual project can stand on its own and tells its own beginning, middle and end story, you know, in a satisfying way. If right. everything feels like it's just a tiny piece of a much larger puzzle, you know, because I remember there were certain like Marvel movies early on that felt a little bit like this is just moving the plot along from A to B and setting up certain things because we have to get here. But the movie itself is kind of meh, you know. Yeah. Um, so they got to make sure that each of the projects is great, but also that this big story can be taken in whether you're seeing everything or just the movies. You know what I mean? Or yeah. just one of them. You know what I mean, so that. It, 
that's going to be walking a very fine creative line there, I think. Yeah, well, we've you know? talked about Marvel fatigue, right? It's something, I mean, we've been talking about for years and years at this point. Oh, but yeah. I think maybe now at this point more than ever, it is like at a, at a peak because I think it is. I think you the more lukewarm... I, listen, they're all still making shitload of money anyway, but like I feel like there's been like more lukewarm critical reception than the more recent Marvel product uh, project. Yeah, phase four has been the weakest of, of the phases yeah. so far. It's been so like we already have this Marvel went. fatigue, and you know you already have that now where it's like oh I got to keep up, I got to watch this show, I got to make sure I saw this movie to see this movie, I got to make sure I saw this mid credit or end credit sequence so I know the connection to this. So are yeah. people gonna be ready to now tolerate? that with dc a whole other universe like, i'm already yeah. tired of marvel and then you say oh we're gonna have this whole other universe with like 50 different mediums that you got to keep track of like i don't with know the hbo max spinoffs and the, i don't yeah. know if it just being new and different is going to be enough i think the diehards yeah we'll probably love it you know yeah let me hop into the, the new dc mega universe you know uh but i just don't know like if other people are just going to be like oh i'm already like in on the marvel thing like i, I can't possibly point. absorb all this shit now point. Or people yeah. just leave Start, Marvel together this, and go to DC. I don't know. It is interesting. Starting this now, as people are starting to show their first signs of like fatigue towards superhero films, uh, it is, I guess it is, uh, that is the big gamble, right? They're starting this at the end of a long, massive run of superhero yeah. movies being like the only game in town. You know, had they started this a little sooner, probably be further along and yeah. you know more will it be unique success? and fresh enough to drag people over and that will be willing to you know if you're just a diehard superhero fan willing to stick with the marvel stuff and now add dc in or you know maybe you hope you pull some people away altogether but you know how fandoms yeah. are like we usually stick with our thing so that that's you know that that definitely concerns and, me and if black adam the way it kind of came and went is any indication the fact that it's box office is really not that impressive anymore in the grand scheme of things it's box office seemed like pretty promising at first and there was still like the allure of it's going to open in china also and that's going to help and then that got canceled so this right. thing is going to like barely scrape past 400 million and it shows that like the dc brand is right now you know, it's not as strong as it should be you know it's still in a place where audiences are kind of like Eh, I'm not going to see it yeah. just because it's decent. Also, not like not a top see it, tier you know. character, though, either, right? Like, I know no, it's I know, rock, absolutely. Like, of yeah. course. You know? And that definitely works against it. Um, but I still thought this thing would be closer to Venom. I really thought it was going to be more like yeah. Tom Hardy's Venom. And it's nowhere, not even half. It's like, you know, Black Adam kind of came no. and went. And again, it goes back to, like, you know, the, the brand name doesn't put asses in the seats right now. You know what I mean? DC is not in a place where they can just release a movie about a C grade, C level character and run to the you know, and laugh all yeah. the way to the bank with it. They're not there. So, yeah, you know, as they come up with this plan, it's just, yeah, it's going to be fascinating to kind of watch the whole thing unfold, especially since the entire philosophy seems to be changing. So, I want to talk about that too because. You know, first of all, they're calling it the DCU, right? But it's also DC Unified, apparently, because under Walter Hamada, it was all going to be multiverse this and everything is split apart and everything is singular. And uh, some of these quotes that have come out from Zaslav, 
it kind of shows you that that whole philosophy is like way out the window. Let me read you this quote here. He was uh, speaking at some conference or a corporate call or something or other. Like you do. And he said, uh, I think over the next few years, you're going to see a lot of growth and opportunity around D.C. There's not going to be four Batmans. <laughs> um, and he said, you know, like the, the drive, the, the aim is to like drive the hell out of D.C. To basically like really, you know, take the D.C. property and blow it up proper. Make it as big and as grand as it can possibly be. Um so when I hear that line about there won't be four Batman or four Batmans, as he put it yeah. to me, that feels like he's throwing shade almost at like Walter Hamada and the previous administration, because that right. was their plan. Yeah. Their plan where there's a million Batman and there will be a Batman for all seasons. <laughs> like, you know, like since they were going in the multiverse direction to try to like loosen everything up and, and make every all the universes more singular and standalone E, um, you know, to now have Zaslav come in and be like, like to assure investors and people there won't be four Batmans. Yes. Like he's he's pointing out like the absurdity of that idea. Yeah. You know, I guess in this, and it's it's exactly what like we've been saying for a while. Like the new ownership came in at Discovery and instantly started questioning what the previous people were doing. You know, instantly started going, what's going on with Superman? Why do we have these A-list characters languishing? And now they're looking at that whole multiverse conceit. And they're like, why are we making all of these Batmen? Like, yeah. There's one Captain America on the other side, okay? Right. There is one, you know, there's one Thor. There's one every... Why are we going to split these th this intellectual property into all of these different little subcategories? There should just be one main version of each of these totem characters, you know? Um, By the way, so I hope Henry Cavill's next movie is called Man of Steel 2, Standalone. <laughs> <laughs> That's you know, probably the like, best title they could do. Man of Steel, Standalone. Standalone. <laughs> so here we are with, with uh, DC seemingly preparing to like collapse everything into one big story because if you if you take what he said right if you take the whole thing about there's not going to be four batmans and uh and, and and oh by the way there was more to that quote let me just finish it the migas asked left his his due he said and so part of our our strategy is to drive the hell out of dc which james and peter are going to do i think they've thrilled the fans i think they're going to thrill you over a period of time Okay, so you take his quote about the four Batmans and then you go to the what Peter Safran said. Um, this was such a unique opportunity to tell one great overarching story. Okay, so this tells me that they are these are not people who are looking to have everything splintered off the way it is you know we've got the batman on its own you've got the joker stuff on its own and now we're about to have whatever gun and and saffron are doing you know i feel like the writing is on the wall that they're going to try to find a way to make it so that everyone is in one place right and you know i brought this up with with bill on the last show about like yes you know, 
Are you gonna burn down your town? <laughs> like if, if listen, they yeah. bring <laughs> Matt Reeves, the Batman, into the DCU, and he would. But uh, you know, I've been seeing people talk about this idea, so I have to ask you, Brett, because you're a little more reasonable than Brother Bill. How would you feel if Battenson somehow gets folded into the proper DCU? So now you have a Justice League where he is the Batman in it so that you could tell stories that he could have his solo movies and he could have his DCU presence and fans can have their cake and eat it too. If they found a way to make that happen, how would you feel? It's (laughs) tough because it's like... If if the movie if Pattinson's Batman and and, and well Matt Reeves's whole Batman you know universe was formulated for for this from the get go, I would feel different. But just just the fact that like it's already established as its own standalone thing, and it, it just the way it's the way it's grounded. Um, I don't know. It might be it might be a, a little a little weird. I don't know if I'd burn my whole town down like Bill, but um, <laughs> but uh. It's interesting. I don't know. Like, I feel like at this point, it's like I think you could just leave Joker and and Matt Reeves's Batman verse alone and let those be like the oddballs on the side, and then just bring in a new Batman for like the main unified thing and keep everything else unified. Just keep those two projects. I mean, because like you got to figure Joker two, that'll probably be it. You think they're gonna do a Joker three? Yeah, I'm surprised they even did a Joker two. Walking Phoenix usually doesn't come back. For shit. I, I didn't think they were gonna do any sequels. Yeah. So I have a feeling, if anything, that'll be like they're gonna do one more, and I think that, my opinion, it'll probably be done. Unless it makes another billion dollars, then they might be like, "Fucking do it." Um, but I think it's yeah. done after two. Reeves, let him do his thing. He's got his TV projects and stuff. Uh, I don't know because it's it's funny. It's like the the batman is definitely like way way more grounded right it's a way more grounded project so i don't know like how like you know flying superman laser vision eyes and wonder woman no i'm with you i, I agree and, it's it, it's, it's a styles clash it's the styles a, definitely clash weird... maybe there's a cool way to do it though like maybe there's a cool way to bring it in and and you know have batman react in a way where his whole world is fucking flipped upside down and and uh you know, I think they like kind of started to do that in Batman vs Superman. It was like, whoa, meta humans! Like, uh, like there's so there's all these other superpower. It's like, but like, yeah. it just seems more. Uh, I guess it was more comic booky. I I don't know like what what yeah. the feeling was, but like it, it felt like it worked there. I don't know. Here it seems weird. So then, so. Let, let, let me just say this then, because especially now with Henry back, right? You have all the original Justice Leaguers that have been introduced over the last 10 years are all still in play. So it just makes the Michael Keaton thing seem like one of these things is not like the other. So it makes me feel like the the priority here, if I'm Gunn and Saffron, I'm leaving the Batman alone. But I'm recasting Batfleck. I'm recasting someone to be that version of Batman. Right. If you can't get Ben back, because it does, you know, I doubt they could get him back to really, you know, play Batman in some other big movies. As much as I'd love him to. But if you short of getting Affleck back, the Keaton thing to me seems strange. And yeah. I think the I, I, and, and I think it seems strange to Zaslav and company too. 
It's I cool as like a cameo it, in the Flash with the yes, multiverse absolutely. thing as an Easter egg, and that's always absolutely. what it like was just supposed to be. That I feel like, and then it turned no. into like this. Was it always planned as like, dude? From the get go, it wasn't just an Easter egg. It was supposed on. to be the big thing. I guess you're right. Yeah, yeah. The, the the whole idea was like yeah, he signed a multi picture deal. Because mm. they wanted him to be like the Batman for right. the shared True. universe. I forgot that that happened. You know, exactly. and, and, yeah. yeah. You know, so you had Affleck saying in interviews at the same time that like they're writing me out. At the same time that Keaton's signing a multi-picture deal where now he's going to be Batman in The Flash. He's going to be Batman in Batgirl, which we've already discussed. That's gone. But like if he was going to be, he was, they already had him film a thing for Aquaman, which may, again, may have been scrapped by now. But the whole point is, yeah, when they brought him on, their big cockamamie idea, Walter Hamada's big plan <laughs> was to get Michael Keaton to just be Batman again for the DC universe whenever they need somebody in that, you know, in the in like a shared type of story. Um, I, you know, I, I know that supposedly they're not tweaking that too much. Apparently, you know, the, the, there have been reports from scoopers and reporters and the like that even though there have been some pickups and reshoots for The Flash, uh, Michael Keaton's stuff is remaining largely untouched and that the film does sort of like still end on the note where like he's the main Batman now. Uh, hmm. So I guess you both. But there's still plenty of time and who knows? You know, they, they also talk... You know, talked down the reshoots on justice league remember when it was oh joss whedon is just coming in for two weeks right. of routine pickups and he's just following zach's vision you know yeah. so who knows if maybe some people are just falling for the lip service that the studio is claiming that the flash hasn't been changed much but if you ask me the keaton thing is the 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 weird sort of this stands out and in a bad way sort of especially because again with Henry back with Momoa still Aquaman with Wonder with Gal Gadot still Wonder Woman with Ezra Miller still as of now the Flash like Michael Keaton standing next to them it just doesn't yeah it doesn't get right and if you're trying to tell one big story where it's all coherent. I don't know if having a mismatched Batman in there helps having yeah. someone who's just a new actor, but in the suit and with Jeremy Irons as his Alfred, you know, give us that Batman with a new actor. Yeah. I think it's, I think you're far better off than trying to make the Keaton thing work. That's yeah. where I'm at. The thing today. too is like, Keaton also is like, listen, he's like, what, like 70 or something like that at this point. Yeah. So it's like, yeah. You know, you're you're gonna have you know your Batman that comes in. You know, if he's gonna be the Batman that comes in these shared product projects, I mean, there's always the there's always the joke, right? And I think one of the reasons too why like like Bill, right, Batman on film doesn't like him with the other superheroes because it's like, what do you need a human for when you have all these super powered people? Like, what do you need some super? But now it's like, what do you need this seventy year old old man Batman for? Like, <laughs> he's like extra useless, like with all these other super powered. Hey, yeah, you know, that is ageist. It, it right? is, but like, but you know what I mean? Like, you just like, I know, like I know. young in their prime, like, dudes. And just no, that's like a great way to man. put it. And that's it's like, an absolutely you know, great way to put it. It's already if like a human, yeah, is pretty a stretch to have Batman in there, like, competing with these people and like, yeah. you're trying to like, now you have toe -to -toe. a septuagenarian Batman doing it. And now you yeah, have it, it is a little silly. So, 
so that like that you also know? like is a weird mismatch there. So yeah, I think I think if you can't get listen, maybe now what if like now like Ben Affleck's like, like you know James Gunn talks to Ben Affleck and he's like, listen man, shit's gonna be different now. We have a good plan. We're gonna give you good writers. We're gonna do the right thing. We'll work out the shoots however you need to, so you stay healthy and feel good about it. Everyone else is back. He obviously has a good relationship with Henry Cavill, yeah. with Momoa. Whenever he's yeah. with them, he's smiling. They're hugging. They're taking pictures. So at this point, I wonder, like, maybe maybe you can get him back on board. I, I don't know. I mean, that would but be not, I think amazing. you just recast him. You recast him, and uh, he can still be, like, that Batman, I guess. Or they. Can I mean, I still remember back too. in the day. That's I still remember back in the day that was something that the studio was apparently looking into. You know, that, that was one of the reasons why Army Hammer's name kept coming up. They wanted someone who was more built like Affleck, who could kind of step into that cowl and be a continuation of that Batman. The studio, yeah, it, they, they, there has been, you know, over the years attempts to try to do something like that. Yeah. And they ultimately went with the Michael Keaton idea. But now with the new management, and a new creative voice, you know, behind the scenes. Yeah, I mean, if they could get Affleck back, that would be uh, that would be pretty damn huge. But yeah. at the very least, I think you just got to recast the Batfleck version of Batman. The Keaton thing will be cute for the Flash, but I think it's got to stay there. Um, yeah. And one last thing, I'm going to throw at you: What the fuck is going on with jason momoa okay there's a mystery there there, there's like there's a lot of mysteries around jason momoa i just want to vent about it here a little bit because uh last week he posted some like live video or something on his instagram telling fans that i just got off the phone and got the most amazing new and he looks like he's ready to like cry tears of happiness he's like overwhelmed with joy and glee and he's like mark this date down i just got the most amazing news i can't wait to tell you oh my yeah he like losing his mind right then clips from an interview from around the same period or maybe later that day or the next day show up and he once again has this like Cheshire cat grin and is talking about how like is they asked him like, you know, has anything do you, do you have anything you want to share about whatever? And he basically just said that like under James Gunn and Peter Safran, some dreams are coming true. Like they're, they're creating. So yeah, there's some some of the most exciting stuff that I've dreamt of is on its way. Essentially, he said with gun and saffron at the helm. And yet nobody knows what the hell any of it is. And then out of this came a rumor that he might play Lobo. Yeah. To which I'm like, come on, he's already a justice leaguer. Like, yeah. I don't see how you have Jason Momoa now pull double duty as Lobo. You know, unless yeah, you're that's doing, weird. Uh, <laughs> To me, like for like an HBO Max series, if they wanted to do like a live action thing that's like Marvel's What If, you know, we're like, right. here's just alternate thing and we're screwing around. Fine, go with that. But if you're trying to tell me that you really think that Jason Momoa is going to do a Lobo movie, uh, you... Your grip <laughs> on how things work... Uh, Leaves a little to be desired, but that's about as right. nice as I could say that. Okay. Uh, but either way, so you got this Lobo thing, 
then then you had other people going, oh, this is confirmation that the Snyderverse is restored, to which Zack Snyder was on a podcast a day or two later going, that's news to me. Like, I haven't been called about anything by those people, and I'm not doing anything with DC. I'm currently working on Rebel Moon, and I'm very happy at Netflix and this, this, and that. Yeah. So, you know, but right now, I just, we got to put a big question mark around Jason Momoa. Some major thing got greenlit, some dream come true project got greenlit for him. And what's weird is, on the one hand, he has the quote about how under Gunn and Safran, there's some really exciting stuff coming and like huge things. But then when he was asked specifically about that phone call that he shared in a live video, you know, this good news that apparently happened. Right. He says something like it's, this is bigger than the, the DC thing. So it sounds like that call might not have even been a DC related thing, but then what? So he got that great news and more great news from Gunn and Saffron about another. So much great news. Is he just so the luckiest news. actor in the world and everything Dude. he's ever wanted to do is happening? You know, so I don't, you know, so I'm still having a little trouble making heads or tails about what Mr. Momoa is trying to hype us up for. But me being me being me, uh, the DC fan in me is just like, I'm on the edge of my seat. I want to find out what it is. Because the one rumor that came out that did have me going, hmm, was this idea that maybe a Justice League movie is closer than we think. And that it might be directed by Andy Muschietti because apparently this flash movie continues to test off the charts. Mm. People, the studio is bullish and excited about this flash movie and its prospects. And usually when a director does right by you, you want to bring them back. And the rumors are that Andy may get the call to do a justice league film. Uh Crazy to think if that were to happen, what a turnaround in the last couple of weeks. I mean, last, in the last year, you know, ever since Warner Brothers Discovery took over, because like a year ago, the thought of there being a Justice League movie with the more or less the same ensemble we just saw would have been like a joke. Now, yeah. though, it looks like, you know, they brought back Henry. You create the right script and the right story and the right follow up to The Flash. And it really, it could probably be really easy to get to a Justice League movie. Yeah. Now, so it's crazy to think how things have flipped around. But, um, but yeah. All right. So, but let me just ask you: of those p- different potential possibilities for what Momo is talking about, which one excites you? Is it him playing Lobo? Is it the Snyderverse being restored? Is it the possibility of Justice League 2 directed by Andy Muschietti? Which of those? Yeah. Out of all of them, I would guess it would be the Justice League 2. Maybe there, maybe Jason Momoa is just a big Lobo fan and he wants Lobo yeah. to be the villain in the next Justice League movie. Because then that's if he's if they're literally gonna cast him as Lobo too, and he's between Lobo and Aquaman, that's fucking stupid. Like it's there's ridiculous. other actors. It's- it's dumb. It's, it's going to be confusing. It's Jason Momoa. Like, he's so identifiable. We're going to be like, why is this motherfucker Lobo now, too? Like, makes no yeah. sense. So, I, I don't know. Especially because on top of that Lobo, it, like, it, it, I, I'm sorry. What kind yeah. of Arthur Curry does Jason play? 
he plays like uh, you know the the, the biker he's basically Lobo guy. Lobo Aquaman yeah. yeah already exactly you know they already turned Arthur into a Lobo type of character and now we're just gonna have him also play Lobo like come yeah. on people you know yeah. but listen and this happened though because James Gunn joined Mastodon and he posted a picture of yes. Lobo that same day so people start connecting dots but he also just posted a picture of another character. Because a That's few right. days ago, he asked DC fans on Mastodon, which is you know, the new, like the, the rival to Twitter, now that Twitter is the hellscape that we all knew it was going to end up being. <laughs> and uh, in there, he asked DC fans, you know, what characters would you like to see adapted, perhaps that haven't already been done? And I don't know if he posted this image because of what he got back in responses or it's because of where he's just mentally going right now but he posted a picture of this character mr terrific and he's a justice society member so it's interesting because we did just get justice society in black adam we don't you haven't seen the movie yet correct i have not no i have okay we only see four members yeah we only see four members and two of them are new. You kind of get the sense that this was a bigger team at some point. So I feel like you could work it in, you know, like under new writers, they could take whatever it was that Johnson had cooked up with his, you know, team of people that made black Adam and just go a different way with it. We have a justice society in place. We could tell a Mr. Terrific story. Personally for me, I don't know a ton about the character. It's not one of those things that has me like, jumping up and down ooh, mr terrific i know they brought him into arrow i know he's you know i know right. he's kind of been around he's got his following but of the potential characters to mine from the dc universe mr terrific is not the one that makes me go yeah finally right. you know but uh, but then again you know i i didn't think i'd want to see a movie with a talking raccoon and a walking tree yeah and just somebody so gun you know he has a James Gunn loves that shit i mean like look at like the 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 weird obscure characters he brought in for his suicide squad movie and peacemaker too yeah peacemaker uh, like he loves the weird offbeat characters and listen he's he's good with them he knows how to like make them work and flex them for like the new age and stuff like that so you know but as far as mr terrific goes i really i will only accept wwe's mr perfect um instead (laughs) but i actually just want to yeah well maybe we can resurrect him and we can do a, a biopic with his corpse playing his him played by his All own right. corpse <laughs> on that note i think it's time to bring episode 169 home everybody uh but before i do remember if you have a question or a topic you would like discussed on a future episode of the show please send it to the fanboy podcast at gmail.com you could follow the show on twitter at the fanboy show you could follow brett at super brett con you could follow me at superman on film and uh until next week be kind and stay fanboy so long adios adios